This is the Horse Radio Network. Welcome to Season 2 of the Horse Nutrition Podcast presented by Purina Animal Nutrition. In this season, we take you on a compelling journey filled with the stories of extraordinary horses doing amazing jobs. We hope that you will come away empowered and entertained, along with advice and knowledge on how to best feed these incredible equine companions. I'm Lisa Wysocki in Nashville, Tennessee. As an award-winning author, editor, equine clinician, and motivational speaker, I train horses for and consult with therapeutic riding programs. And I am your host for Season 2 of the Horse Nutrition Podcast, presented by Purina. In this episode, we bring you the story of Lou, a horse with a huge personality at the Purina Animal Nutrition Center in Grace Summit, Missouri. We also learn what life is actually like for horses at the center and the importance of a bed check feeding time. The Purina Animal Nutrition Center has been helping animals receive better nutrition since 1926. That's close to 100 years. During that time, they've conducted more than 24,000 research studies, and these are studies that involve everything from taste and digestion to rations that increase stamina and performance to those that ease the process of aging. They have more than 1,000 animals on 1,000 acres, and 76 of them are horses. All of the horses are in some sort of feed or exercise or performance trial, and the Purina team monitors every horse every single day. From measuring oxygen levels while running on a high-speed treadmill to measuring body mass or wither and hip height of growing horses, the team uses all kinds of data to deliver the best products possible to horses and horse owners. Today, we're talking with Mike Jarina, manager of the Horse Research Facility at the Purina Animal Nutrition Center and also of new product development. Now, Mike, tell us about the Purina Animal Nutrition Center. So the Purina Animal Nutrition Center is fairly unique. There's nothing really like it in industry. And what makes it unique is its age and what actually happens here. And it was built in 1926 with the express purpose of new product development. And it's remained true to that purpose all the way through to today. So that's kind of neat that there's a a facility dedicated specifically to doing nothing but coming up with the new latest and greatest that we can find to add to new products. So that's one thing that makes the Nutrition Center unique. And then the other is the type of work that we do here. And the the way that I try and explain the, the center to people who haven't been here or who aren't familiar with it is that it reminds me of a university campus. You have different departments or units that focus on different species groups, and we happen to work in the the horse species group, but we have an entire facility dedicated to each one of those different species groups, whether it be beef, cattle, dairy cows, pigs, chickens, horses, you name it, we've got it out here. So the horse department is about 75 acres, and we've currently got about 76 horses out here, and that's kind of the little section of the world we have out here at the farm to do horse research. You know, I'm just amazed that almost 100 years ago, the people at Purina were forward-thinking enough to be able to develop a site like that, because I'm thinking 100 years ago, people, for the most part, probably weren't so interested in animal nutrition, and so Purina was ahead of the game. And I'm also very interested in the horses that are there, the 76 horses. I know you breed some of them, but tell us about how those horses get to be at the center there. 
So we've actually got a very rich history with horses. One of the first products that Purina had in the late 1800s was omeline, which was designed for horses and mules that were still working animals at that time. So we've got a very rich history with equids at the farm. And the way that we've traditionally maintained our animals here at the farm is through a breeding program. And in the past, they would keep stallions here on site and we'd breed stallions to a band of broodmares that we had. And the the numbers of babies that we would have each year would range anywhere from all the way up into the 50s, all the way down to eight to 10 horses. It just kind of depended on what type of projects we were doing at the current time. So um, right now, what we, we do is we maintain our herd through a breeding program. We've been breeding registered quarter horses here at the facility for over 50 years now. And then when we have other needs where we need, say, thoroughbreds to do exercise physiology research, we go out into the market and we source them through retirement facilities or private sale through individuals. And we'll buy some of those animals and bring them back here to the farm to use for different projects that we have, and then they tend to live their entire life out here with us at the farm. Well, that was going to be my question, is once you get the horses there, how long do they typically stay? Some are lifers, but do some come in, and then after a couple of years, do they leave? The projects that we do, especially our growth and development work, we tend to add into the herd 10 to 12 new horses every year, just by the nature of breeding 10 to 12 mamas, and then you get 10 to 12 babies. So you can't perpetuate that forever. We'd have a thousand horses running around this place. (laughs) So we've kind of got a a deal set up where we, we have some horses that go out into industry and they get used at universities to help students learn how to break and train horses. And then those horses get sold private treaty. And we do a lot of of that type of work with Colorado State University. And then we also sell the horses private treaty. The stallions that we use on our quarter horse mares have very well-respected bloodlines. So there's actually a pretty good market for those animals when we're actually done using them here. So if they're just going to do a growth project for us and they get to an age of, say, two years old, and we don't have a test lined up that we'd necessarily be using them for, we'll sell them private treaty and they go out into the regular horse world and they wind up on the show circuit or doing all kinds of different things. We've got some that are working at dude ranches. We've got some that have gone and done hunter jumper shows. We've got a lot that have gone and done Western type showing stuff, but those animals leave us and that lets us maintain our, our number where we need it. But we do have individuals here that were bred and fold hair, and now they're pushing 25, 26 years old. So they've basically spent their entire life here with us. If you if you think about the different age ranges that our customers would have, we want to try and have animals that represent all those different age ranges. So it's important for us to have very young animals, middle of the road aged animals, and then have a population of older horses that we can do projects with as well. That is awesome. And I I really think that that your customers appreciate that because I know I have some older horses and a lot of my friends have younger horses. And and it's great that you guys are really looking forward and looking at all the different stages of life. Now, what makes a good research animal? What kind of skills does that horse have to have to be successful in your programs? Well, it really depends on what we're going to do with them. We have kind of several different areas that we work on everything from just simple taste testing for the horses all the way up to do an exercise physiology work where they have to run on a high-speed treadmill in a climate-controlled lab and they have to be able to breathe into a machine that collects all their respired air 
So we've got some that go to a, a fairly high level of training that I would compare to a high level of riding. And then we've got others that their job is just to kind of taste different feeds and tell us what they like or different ingredients. So it depends on where they're going to go. So usually when we have the young horses and we start working with them, we kind of can tell at a fairly young age which horses are going to be more tolerant of doing something like treadmill type work or which are going to fit better in something like maybe just a taste testing type role. So we'll start working with them. They literally get handled from the first day that they're out of their mom and on the ground. They're getting their body weight taken and we measure how big around their tummy is and do all sorts of things like that. So they're very used to human interaction. And when we start introducing them to things like the treadmill, we can kind of gauge if that horse is going to be relaxed doing something like that, or if they're going to be a little more reactive. And if they're going to be kind of reactive from a safety perspective, we don't want to necessarily risk injuring the horse. We don't want to risk injuring a person that would be working with the horse on the treadmill. So we might move them off to a different part of the farm where they can do something like a taste test that's a lot more benign where all they have to do is stand there and eat and pick and choose which thing tastes better to them. (laughs) I think for every horse owner who has a picky eater, we're going to be fascinated about this taste testing. So can you tell us just a little bit more about that? do Do you have a whole herd, like a whole section of picky eaters? So we have, we don't necessarily want picky eaters. We want definitive eaters, if that's a a good way to put it. But we do have a group of 10 horses. I mean, people kind of giggle a little bit when you tell them you have to train them or be selective about which horses you use to actually tell you what they like to eat. But if you, you think about it, the way that we do this is we'll have a feeding stall that's got two feed pans in the front of it, and they both sit on a scale platform. So they automatically register how much the animal's eating, how many times they touch the pan. But we might put, say, four pounds of ration A on their left side and four pounds of ration B on the right side and put them in that stall and let them eat for 10 minutes and let them choose which one they like. And then we'll pull them back out and look at the data and see which one they actually preferred. So some horses, as most horse owners know, will just go in there and get straight down to business, start eating right away. Some will take a mouthful of feed and they want to look around and check everything out and they slobber feed all over the place. Some of them want to play with the pan and make a big mess. Those are the horses that don't work as well for us. We want that horse that goes in there and he sticks his nose in one pan and tries it, sticks his nose in the other pan and tries it, and then he'll go back and forth a little bit and then settle on one of those to give us some some good data. So if we get a sloppy eater or a nervous eater or one that doesn't like standing next to the horse that's next to him, those guys can go find another job and we, we get these guys separated out that do the taste testing for us. But you talk about finicky eaters, that's that's really a very important thing to us. We really want to make sure that when we make any kind of a change, whether it's a protein source, a fat source, the vitamin mineral pack, We've gone in depth is when we've changed the type of bag that the feed goes in. We were worried it might have some sort of an off-putting flavor or taste to it that we test that and put it in front of the horses and let the horses tell us which thing they actually prefer or they don't prefer before we go ahead and make a change to a product. That is just absolutely fascinating to me. And I also want to go back and touch on something that you mentioned about the fact that the horses can move from one protocol to another. And To me, that seems like over time, the horses are handled by a lot of different people, such as maybe at a racing stable or a therapeutic riding program. And I know not every horse excels when they're being handled by a lot of people. So I would think that the horses that you work with have pretty good ground manners. Is that correct? Yeah, ours have really good ground manners. And I think it all stems from the way they're handled. We've got a crew of nine people here. 
and they're all horse people. I mean, they've all grown up with horses. They've all handled horses their entire life and their entire career, and they're all very good at it. And we have the horse's interest first, and that, of course, pays out to being in our interest as well, because if you treat the horse well, the horse will most of the time treat you well. So that really pays out if we treat the horses properly and we take good care of them. I think they help us out on the other side of that. But we spend a lot of time working with these guys and a lot of hands-on before they're even weaned. I mean, they're not even four months old and they know how to be haltered and caught and led and pick their feet up and stand to be brushed. I mean, they know all that stuff before they're even four months old. So we put a lot of time and effort into trying to make sure these animals are done right from the very beginning. Yeah, I can see that. And it's amazing the amount of detail that Purina puts into each of these different studies and the different research protocols, because even changing the bag, I think that's, I never would even have thought of that, but I, I can see where it would make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you take things out of a paper bag and you start packaging them in plastic, it makes you wonder if it has a plasticky taste or an odor, or it makes things mold a little bit faster. And some of those things humans can see and pick up on, but it's amazing what horses find and see that we never guess that they're going to care about or think that they'll have any preference one way or the other. We've seen them make completely one-sided preference changes based off changing one ingredient, half of 1%, and they will, they will literally smell it and just go to the other offering and not even try it. So they're super, super sensitive. Sometimes even before they even put it in their mouth, they can just smell the difference and they don't want to try it. Amazing. Now, Mike, you have a very special horse there at the Purina Animal Nutrition Center, a gelding named Lou. Can you tell us a little bit about him? So Lou's kind of neat. It's fun to have these horses, and I've been here for a long enough time that I really like watching these guys develop over time. And we work really hard to find good horses that are very versatile and can do a lot of different jobs for us here. And we had this young gray gelding. And when he was about a year old, we could tell that he was fairly receptive to pretty much anything. He would let us do whatever we wanted. And he was just curious and happy to get involved with whatever we threw at him. So we started working with him more and more. And he's kind of become a star to do demonstrations on our our high-speed treadmill. He loves running in front of large groups of people. He's only three years old (laughs) now, but um, most horses, we would kind of stay reserved and we wouldn't really use them at that young of an age in front of large groups of people like that. But he just loves showing off. He's a showboat. He likes having the calorimetry system, which measures his oxygen uptake and his carbon dioxide production. He'll let that hang off of his nose while he's running with a big tube on it. And he prances and dances and shrieks and carries on, has a good old time on the treadmill. He'll paw (laughs) at the belt before we start the machine. So he hams the crowd up really good. He's kind of an example of the type of horse that we really like to have here because he's fun to work with. He's energetic. He's happy all the time, and he's willing to do anything we throw at him. So it's kind of fun to watch him grow and develop, and he will probably mimic one of his older uncles that we have here named Tractor, who's uh, like 23 years old now and still runs on the treadmill. That's what he's done his entire life here. He was fold out here on the farm and for 23 years, he's been doing exercise physiology projects, and now he's getting a little older, so he's semi-retired, and we bring a new one like Lou in, and you can see Lou's going to have the same type of vigor to do that for probably his entire lifespan here. So who knows what products he'll work on into the future for the next 
probably 18 to 20 years, but it would be pretty neat to take a look back in 20 more years and see what Lou went through in his career here at the research facility. Oh, absolutely. Now, when he was young, he was foaled there. And so when he was two or three weeks old or a month old or four months old, what kind of uh, attributes did he show to his handlers that he was going to be a little bit different? Uh, Very receptive to different things. For the particular test we were doing when he was a young horse, we were doing things like measuring their body weight every seven days. We take a series of skeletal measurements on them. So we take a a measurement around their heart girth. We measure how tall they are at the withers, how tall they are at the rump, how wide their rump is. We put a halter on them when they're seven days old to put them outside, and then we start catching them outside to bring them in to eat in the evening. He took to all those things like he'd been doing it for a year already, and he was only about four or five weeks old, and he would just hop right (laughs) in there and do all that stuff like an old pro, he'd walk along next to his handler. You didn't have to pull him or drag him or try and learn, teach him to learn to give to pressure. He would just walk right alongside his person and come right to him when he needed to be caught in the afternoon and come back into the barn. So you start seeing things like that and you think, well, what else could I try with this guy? So you just keep trying different things like introducing a brush or picking his feet up or walking him in different rooms or maybe exposing him to some of the other horses where he's not so close to his mama anymore and getting him used to just being out of his comfort zone and seeing if he trusts you. And he he would go anywhere we wanted him to go and do anything we asked him to do. So it was kind of neat to see. I think it's particularly interesting that he loves showboating and loves kind of performing for the people. And when did you first notice that aspect of his personality? We did a lot of work just getting him used to working on the treadmill where he could get his transitions down from walk to trot to canter and then back down through those transitions and really comfortable in that room. And then we start bringing small groups of people in. We'll we'll go in there with five or six people and just see kind of how the horse reacts if they're very nervous having all those extra people walking around them while they're trying to exercise or not. And as we started to increase the group sizes, when he was probably about two and a half or so, maybe three years old, we'd get 40 people in there, 50 people in there to to watch him run. And he would come in and his head would go up in the air and he'd kind of lift his tail a little bit and he'd stroll up onto the treadmill and you can see him turning his head sideways and his one ear would cock sideways towards the crowd where he's paying attention to the people and when the people would start talking and chattering, then he would start pawing at the belt. And as soon as he starts <laughs> the machine, he'd start prancing around and trotting instead of walking like he was supposed to and trying to canter before he's supposed to actually break into a canter because he wanted to run. So it's fun when you see him having a good time doing that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's amazing when you have a horse who really likes his job like that. It's just so fortunate he was born there at the center and and just was born into the job that he obviously was destined to do. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. The privilege to be able to work with horses like that. It's great fun. Oh, absolutely. And for him to be related to his uncle tractor, maybe there's some genetics or something in there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'd like to think so. I don't know if there are or not, but I'd like to think so. Yeah. Now, Mike, is there a specific incident that really comes to mind when we're talking about Lou and his special personality? So the way that we 
kind of housed these guys when we're first teaching them how to do the treadmill work and really working heavily with training them is in a barn where they're locked up all night and they eat their breakfast in the barn and then they get turned out all day. And while they're turned out, we'll go catch them, bring them in and work with them where it's easy for us to get to them. And then as they kind of graduate on and they start to really develop, we'll put them out in pasture or we put them in dry lots and just kind of let them hang out and be a horse. And then we can kind of do refreshers with them every once in a while instead of having to work with them specifically every day. And here recently, we used to always joke that it was his uncle that would do it, but we we put Lou out on a pasture because he kind of sort of graduated where he's pretty solid. We can just go catch him and bring him in the barn and throw him on the treadmill. And he's just going to town like he's been doing it every day. But he's recently gotten to a point where when we we go outside with a halter and he sees us coming to the pasture. He'll actually come running up to the gate. And if any of the other horses that are turned out with him come up with him, he'll sit there and shoulder them out of the way and push them out of the way and <laughs> nickers and carries on because he knows that he's going to get to go run on the treadmill. And more importantly, he knows he gets a treat when he's done running on the treadmill, I think is maybe what it is. I'm not sure, but... He doesn't want any of his friends out there edging in on his, his gig. So he's pretty protective about being the first one. And it's kind of funny to watch. Well, I think he knows he's special. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> he's the chosen one, the spoiled child. Yes. Well, Lou is an amazing horse for sure. And I hope I get to come out and see him someday. Well, I'm sure he would love that, especially if you had treats with you. Oh, I'll, I'll bring something. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Dr. Mary Beth Gordon is the Director of Research and New Product Development and is one of Lou's biggest fans. So, Dr. Gordon, Lou has participated in many trials, I'm assuming, as he's moved from a young foal to a young adult. Can you give us just an idea of what some of those trials might be or might have been? Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, from the moment that Lou was born, he was put on first a growth trial, and our growth and development research is going to track that young horse at every stage of development as they get older and, and look at many different things from the health of his joints and his bones as he grows and how tall he's getting and how well he's eating his feed and how much weight he gains and his wither height and his rump height and over the last few years, we're definitely interested in the gastric health of young horses. Young growing horses can have trouble with gastric ulcers, and how can we use our Outlast technology to help make those horses more comfortable, especially when they're going through different stresses such as weaning. So Lou has been particularly helpful in, in studies looking at gastric health of young horses. How do we reduce any type of stress response when we wean horses and make sure that their gut health is optimal as it, it can be. And then that is directly helping us to develop some new products that should be out on the market. I'm going to say within the next few years, that's the interesting thing about our research program is it's incredibly in-depth and thorough and the best in the business, but it is not a very, very rapid process because it takes time to do really good research and it takes time to grow these folds up to their full development and full height and full growth potential. So you can't just test a new feed or a supplement for one or two months on a young horse and then say that it's ready for market. You've got to go through two years or more of their 
growth and development to make sure that everything is going right all the way along. So that's literally the first study he was on was the day his little, you know, <laughs> hit the ground. and he's been helping us since that first one. That's amazing. And I think it's interesting too, because in this segment, we do try to talk about how a horse doing a specific job might be fed theoretically, but at the Purina Animal Nutrition Center, you've got so many different stages of life going on and so many different feed trials that horses are getting different types of feed and different stages of life. So is there an average type of horse that you might be feeding there at the center? I would say the majority of our horses are being fed strategy which is a really great 14% protein pellet that works really, really well with horses that are out eating some pasture or they're in the stall and eating some hay, some grass hay, and it balances the ration beautifully and horses can eat four to eight pounds of strategy a day, split into multiple meals. And a lot of horses maintain a wonderful body condition score on that and look great. But then of course, for our Young horses that are in those growth and development trials that I mentioned, they're going to have specific growth feeds and growth formulas that they are eating. And then the palatability horses that Mike talked about that are specifically trained to tell us about the ingredients and the formulas we're working on, they're going to be eating that particular palatability feed trial feed that that they're working on. And then we have almost every operation, we have horses that live out on pasture and sometimes they you know, horses love to eat pasture and then they can get a little bit over conditioned. So you have to mm-hmm. be careful that they don't get too many extra calories from their feed and that type of thing. So those horses will go on our Enrich Plus product, which is a ration balancer, and they get that one pound a day split into multiple feedings. And that helps keep the calories down while they're still out on pasture to help balance their rations. But depending on how many different trials we have going on, we may be feeding anywhere from five to 10 different feeds on the farm every day because we do individualize it for each horse and then we individualize for whatever trial they're on as well. And then do you adjust for summer feeding and winter feeding also? Because I would assume the calorie needs of a horse in winter are different from that in summer. Yeah, absolutely. So We are really blessed because we also have an electronic scale system, so we know how much our horses weigh, and they all get weighed on a regular basis. It's not Mm -hmm. something that everyone has access to, but our weight tape works really, really well for that as well for people to monitor their horse's weight. And as you're going into the winter season, there can definitely be changes that you need to pay attention to. First of all, like that pasture source can go away. If horses are out on pasture and the pasture can go dormant or the horses eat it down too much because it's not growing as fast. So that's a significant amount of calories that are going to be missing from that horse's diet as the season changes. You're going to need to make up for that with some sort of additional forage. So whether you're going to give hay or hay cubes or a complete feed with the hay built into it, or we have products called hay structures that help to add more fiber and forage into the horse's diet. And you need to monitor your horse's weight and body condition because as they get colder and if your horse is outside and shivering and potentially is not wearing a blanket or doesn't have enough of a heavy winter coat, their metabolic rate could go up. They they may need more calories and you may need to then also increase your feed in addition to 
adjusting that forage portion that I, I mentioned. So it's very important to monitor the horse as the season is changing. You don't want to get having to catch up after you've looked at your horse and been like, oh my goodness, I think they lost a hundred pounds, right? <laughs> sort of want right. to. We, we Yeah, we have some really great resources online that teach you how to body condition score your horse as well. It, it sounds funny, but you're going to actually run your hands along the horse and palpate their fatty areas. So you're going to feel your horse's fat over their body. You can then sort of score them on a scale from one to nine, and it'll tell you like where your horse, whether they're a little too thin or just right or too heavy. And that gives you an idea too. So between the body condition scoring and the weight tape, that can tell you what direction your horse is going in. And then you can choose your feeding program to match that and to help you get to your goal, whatever your goal needs to be with your horse. And, you know, I think when we spoke earlier, you had a really great system for feeding those horses who maybe are dropping a little bit of weight in the wintertime. Some people will will feed, for example, morning, noon, and afternoon, but you had a different system for feeding, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, for sure. I mean, myself as someone who works a lot and is sometimes away from the farm, if I have a horse that needs multiple meals a day, I don't necessarily have the freedom to feed them breakfast, lunch, and and dinner. So what I like to recommend or what I will do if I have a horse that needs to eat larger volumes of feed, and I still want to split it up. It's, It's best if your horse eats two to three times a day if you're going to feed them a concentrate meal. But what I recommend is you feed them breakfast and then feed them dinner basically as soon as you get home after work. So say maybe you could do that by four or five or six o'clock, but then feed them like a bedtime snack at night check and give them that third meal around nine o'clock at night right before you go to bed. So when I had a senior horse that he couldn't eat any hay anymore and he needed to eat about 18 pounds of equine senior a day to maintain his weight. And he looked fantastic on it, but I didn't want to feed him two nine pound meals a day. I'd feed him six pounds in the morning and then six pounds late afternoon, early evening, and then put on my winter coat and pull on my boots and go give him a kiss good night. And his last six pounds uh, right before I went to bed. So, and you know, I think that old guy and he deserved it. Yeah, and and I think that's something too. It seems through good nutrition, probably horses are living longer and longer. And the senior formulations and the senior feeds and how we feed senior horses is becoming more and more important. I have a friend who just had a quarter horse passed away, and he, he was I think thirty seven or thirty eight years old. And how do you feed a horse like that? Because that's a whole different level of senior horse versus a horse who might be twenty. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it. Amazing when you think now about how so many things, nutrition and veterinary care and better deworming practices have all contributed to the increased lifespan of horses. And they're not only living longer years, they're living healthier years. Yes. And it's been great to see the nutrition evolve to that as well. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember them first coming out with Equine Senior and it was, you know, revolutionary to have this, this old... <laughs> this older horse feed. And now we have two old horse feeds because it's even differentiated even more. You know, there's the old horses that can still chew and digest hay. And then there's the ones that can't anymore. And this is also an active area of research for us. We love the old guys. You're not a true horse person if you don't have a soft place in your heart for those good old senior horses. And so we have a population of senior horses on the research farm as well. 
and they help us do research on senior feed and what is the best formulation for them and how do we make sure that they can chew it really easily and swallow it properly and digest all of the nutrients to the best of their ability so that they can live healthier into their older years. Yeah, and I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but I think I was in high school when Purina came out with Omelene 100, 200, and 300. And that was revolutionary back then. And I can see how Purina has expanded upon that by light years since that time. And I think it's fabulous that all these different feeds are available for all these horses that are doing different things and have all these different needs and different metabolisms and different jobs that they're doing. And it seems like your research program is developing products and food for all of these types of horses. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, we're really proud of the work we do every single day. And I think back that when I was in high school and was a crazy horse girl and good in school, you know, everyone's like, well, then you're going to be a veterinarian. That's what you should do. And <laughs> people don't like, I didn't even know an equine nutritionist existed as a job that I could have it as a career. And it's actually developed as well as, as I've gone through school and everything. And now for us to have five equine PhDs full-time on staff, and I think we're even at six now, I probably misquoted that number, would have been unprecedented 20 years ago, but that's how much the field has expanded, put a lot more research into it and a lot more time dedication to develop all of these formulas for the horses and to be able to help them be healthy for every different lifespan. So that's the whole thing, right? You've got the senior horse feed, you've got the feed for the horse that needs low starch and sugar because they have glucose and insulin problems. Mm -hmm. You've got your racehorse feeds. You've got your growing horse feeds that we've mentioned. So it's just the science has gotten better. And it's been, if you love horses and you like nutrition, like it's a pretty great place to be. Absolutely. Now, Dr. Gordon, tell us about your experiences in working with Lou. So, We heard from Mike about Lou a little bit and his personality and and how everyone loves to work with him and he's just so easy. I mean, he's basically like a big puppy dog in a horse's body. (laughs) But truly what is yeah, and he's so like he's so cute. Like he's got these big gray dapples. And I mean, you can't help when you like come around the corner and if he's out in a paddock or he's in the barn, like you cannot help but notice this horse. And, but really what I think is most special about him is the fact that here's this horse in the middle of the country, right? He is Mm -hmm. never going to wear a saddle. Okay. He's never going to win a race. He's never going to pull a cart. There are no blue ribbons in this horse's future, which to a lot of horse people would be puzzling, right? Because like, you know, he's never going to go on a trail ride. You know, he's, he's not, yeah. that's not for him, but he's so important to so many other horses because of the work that he does every day. So to me, when I go and I see Lou and I go and want to pet him and pull on the forelock a little bit and just play with him because that's what he likes to do, it's, that's what makes that horse extraordinary. Well, and I think too, he's having a really good time helping all of these other horses literally all across the world, succeed at what they do. Lou is having a great time doing his job. He certainly is. Yeah, he's uh, 
he's quite spoiled, like like they all are, but that's the way it should be. Yeah. Dr. Gordon, I agree that being an animal nutritionist and specifically a horse nutritionist has to be an amazing job. What is the best part of what you do? Ooh, that's a great question because there's, there's like a lot of things. But if I had to choose one thing, I'm going to say it in, in like pieces because that allows me more than one thing. Um, <laughs> one, yeah. One, when you're in a role like I am at Purina and we were a large company and we feed a lot of horses every day, that actually is really meaningful to me because when you think, okay, my team and I have worked for four years to develop a certain product and to say, for example, make a new advancement to equine senior, and there's 30,000 old horses today that are going to eat that product. Wow. You know, like yeah. really 30,000 horses are going to eat that today and be healthier because of it. That's really, really cool to me. It is. Uh, yeah. To be able to have that kind of influence. I mean, I have my own personal horses. I have three horses right now and I feed them myself every day. And I love to do that too. But then to be able to take the knowledge and expertise that we have and expand it out across the whole country to so many other horses, we feed over 600,000 horses a day. Wow. That is my favorite part about my job. That is pretty amazing and something really to be proud of because you're making such an incredible difference in the lives of these horses and really in the lives of the people who care for the horses too. Yeah, for sure. Because if we can make those horses happier and healthier and improve their well-being, then yeah, it's the people that love those horses, it's better for them as well. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Gordon, you have been a wealth of knowledge, and I so appreciate that, and I appreciate everything that Purina is doing and everything that the people at the Purina Animal Nutrition Center are doing to make our horses healthier and have longer and better lives. So thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing all your expertise with us. Oh, thank you. It's our pleasure for sure. It's so heartwarming to find a horse who loves his job, and Lou is one of these horses. He adores people and is curious and intelligent enough to quickly figure out whatever people ask. As a Purina Animal Nutrition horse, Lou is handled by many different people. Some other horses might find this confusing, but here is one more area where Lou excels. Lou shows us that when a horse finds his or her true calling, great success really can happen. All of the horses at the Purina Animal Nutrition Center are exceptional because they are the first to try the great feeds our own horses now eat. And Lou and the other horses at the Purina Animal Nutrition Center, along with the great research team there, make sure they deliver our horses the best products possible. Thank you for listening to the story of Lou on the Horse Nutrition Podcast by Purina. If you missed season one, you can go back on any podcast player and take a listen to all the past episodes. Learn more about all of Purina's equine products at purinamills.com forward slash full rain. That's F-U-L-L-R-E-I-N. The Horse Nutrition Podcast can also be found on the Horse Radio Network app. Just search for Horse Radio Network in the Apple or Android app stores, and you'll find 17 different shows all about horses there. Thanks for joining us. 